Welcome to the Social Garden Education Marketing Leaders Podcast. Today, I'm very pleased to have Mr. Matthew Lee here. Welcome, Matthew. Thanks, Mike. Uh, pleasure to be here. Thanks for having me. Awesome, man. So tell us a bit about your background and kind of what you've done today. Okay. Uh, for the last five years, I've been working in higher ed. So I've been the Chief Marketing Officer at RMIT. And prior to that, I was the Chief Marketing Officer at La Trobe University here in Melbourne. In higher ed, I've been responsible for the full sales and marketing capability, which has been a lot of fun. Yeah. So from analytics through to student recruitment. And when I moved to RMIT, one of the things that we had to think about was how do we create a marketing digital transformation and a customer experience um, vision and map out an end-to-end journey. So that would have been an exciting process. It was a really exciting process. And, and one of the things that really um, enjoyed was the process of engaging with council and the senior leaders and also across the university community. So about three years ago now, we presented to the council and as part of a digital strategy, laying out a digital strategy, we talked about what a customer experience vision might look like. And what we took to them was, was the proposition that there was more opportunity in looking at the student journey from end to end and discovering both where the pain points were and where the opportunities were. Lots of good work had been done, but it tended to be a bit piecemeal. And, and they came on board with that and were very excited by that proposition. So I, mean, I think at the end of the day, you know, the longer the kind of customer journey is and the experiences with the brand, the more opportunities there are to optimize things. We love the focus of the customer experience automation piece with universities because the journey is so long. Yeah. It's filled with opportunities to kind of make mistakes, but also opportunities to kind of really make a meaningful impact in that customer's kind of life. And I think one of the things that happens is when you do it in a piecemeal basis, what we found was that you understood piece A and you understood piece C, but you really didn't have an understanding of what happened between those two parts of the journey. And because university is a transformative experience, you've got to understand that whole end-to-end -end piece to understand what's shifting and, and, and what's shifting in terms of the aspirations and the needs of your customers. Um, I think that though the great opportunity for universities is as we're starting to seriously look at lifelong journeys, to look at lifelong journey maps. So really start to flip it and to say, okay, where are the, where are the um, pain points? Where are some of the transition points in people's life? And how can universities work with them in that sort of lifelong journey? So why shouldn't universities help with financial literacy and digital literacy? Why shouldn't people help with questions like how to be a credible and ethical leader? Why shouldn't universities talk about how you prepare for retirement or how you think about the world of work in a different way at the end of a traditional working life? So that's where I see the great opportunity in terms of matching a lifetime customer journey with a product and service that responds to each sort of inflection point of that lifetime journey. I, have never, I haven't heard someone ever kind of refer to it like that, and I think it's clever, because it, at the end, as you said, it's kind of people are going through their own kind of transformation, and if the university can kind of be the rock in, the, in that kind of period of their life when it's changing, mm. then it can have a kind of ongoing relationship, and I think yeah. for a lot of universities, that's what they're looking to do is engage with the students when they're young, 
take them through that process and then to help them kind of through that process yeah. through their life as you say with things like financial literacy and it can kind of be the educator for life so tell us a bit about the customer experience you saw and implemented at RMIT I know you guys um receives a lot of praise for the, some of the work you did there. And uh, so tell us a bit about that. We, we got an award, which is great, yeah. from the Australian Marketing Institute for the work that we've done. Yeah. Um, I think when we went to council, we laid out a threefold agenda three years ago. So that's to build an end-to-end customer experience vision, which was grounded in data and research and and all the really good things that you need to develop a solid proposition, you know, using design thinking, using observation, looking at all the work that had been done and integrating that into a cohesive whole. One of the things that we did that was really successful was at the very beginning, we were very transparent about that. So there was no secret quick squirrel stuff. And the School of um, Architecture said to us, um, run all this in a space, in a physical space, that's shared with students. And we used to call it the garage. So, <laughs> um, so that you know, students would be there doing their work and we'd be doing our work and the way in which they interacted with it was incredibly satisfying. And so then we started to build out a community around that physical space. So I would recommend that anybody who's about to go on this journey, create those physical artifacts and create a physical space where you can start to build capability and community because for us that was incredibly successful and even though you're talking about a customer and a digital transformation the opportunity to touch stuff to see stuff to have human interaction around stuff reminded you constantly this is a human experience not just a digital experience so it, it really brought home to bear the these customers, these personas were real people because they were with us all the time. And so easy to kind of just group people into buckets. And I think it's important to do that, you know, just from a management level in terms of managing and kind of delivering for each kind of key persona. But in terms of the types of conversations that people were having when in the kind of offline world, how did that sort of inform what you were thinking about online? Well, I think the challenge for all of us in this space is is to go back to the customers. So to think about when do the customers need to interact with human beings? What channels are they open to? So for example, most of us in this space know that you know, you'll try and find stuff on the web if you can. And if you can't find it, then you're gonna m- jump to another channel. So what's that channel going to be? So you're gonna go into web chat, are you gonna go into EDMs, whatever that is. So just thinking about the customers and what's the right balance between online and offline? See, I mean, it's super interesting seeing that, you know, I think universities are increasingly becoming commercialized in the sense that they're thinking like they're an organization about what value are they bringing their customer? What are they doing to kind of create that unique differentiation? Even the processes and the experiences that they're delivering their customers seem a lot more like a technology business than perhaps a university from 10 years ago. I think RMIT, you know, when, when you, as you mentioned, the garage, the customer experience center, it was just a cracking example of how to like really nail that. So we learn a lot from best practice in other sectors and what they were doing. And so we did the things that you would typically expect to do when you're starting to develop a CX framework. So we developed personas, we did all the journey mapping, we started to understand what the real pain points were 
how you could develop a, a branded experience and how you measure success in terms of a net promoter score and other sorts of measures. Um, we started out in terms of looking at the technology, like what's our market, MarTech stack, what's our CRM, and we also started to build capability across the university. But one of the great things that we learned from technology companies was that almost ironically, it's not about the technology. Yeah. So, um, so a great example is I was listening to a podcast um, on the weekend about Netflix. Yeah. And Netflix are saying that, that even though they're a technology company, they want to become more like an entertainment company because there's magic in an entertainment company in terms of how they create that content. Yeah. So they actually want to become more like Disney. And yeah. Disney wants to become more like them. So the technology companies now are saying there's something in the culture that, that helps us then produce better, um, better content, for example. So I think, I think you know, with all businesses, Social Garden kind of included, it's always a matter of how do you bring kind of the art and the science. And that's it. the great opportunity, I think, for marketers. Like I call it the mixed brain, mixed brain stuff. Yeah. So the combination of left and right brain, that's, I think, the great challenge for us as we start to move forward. It's exciting, right, as well, because I think for the first time, you know, the people that are involved, particularly here, is that the people that are involved in kind of the art can start to see the numbers that sit behind the art for the first time. And I think for the people that work in kind of data science or in the kind of analytics teams, they're really seeing the value of fantastic creative. And, and, and so it builds that mutual respect as well. And working together, I think, provides marketers with a great opportunity to start to work across universities to influence what the shape of those universities might be. Because typically we drown in data, but we're not really using that data to translate it into insight. And somebody in that equation needs to be the voice of the customer and needs to be the voice of the market and the sense maker of all the numbers that float around in our own environments. Totally. With that in mind, what do you see as the future for universities in Australia? Well, I'm an, I'm an optimist. and I <laughs> Me too. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and I reckon sometimes universities get a bad rap. So if you go back to that EY report that came out last um, in the last month or so, they talk about a range of disruptive forces that I think we're all sort of familiar with. So, you know, the world of work's changing, there's more global competition, where does industry start and end in terms of relation to universities, how, does, you know, how are digital behaviours changing, um, and what does continuous learning mean? So they were the sorts of the the forces that they started to talk about as really disrupting our environment. The one that I would add to that is the rise of commoditized content. You know, almost everything is available for free. So what does that mean for universities in the kind of current day? Well, I think what that means is it's just not about the delivery of degrees. And it's just not about the content. It's about so much else. And I think that universities are responding, starting to respond to the challenge of the forces that EY talked about. So for example, most universities are starting to think now about how do you unbundle degrees? So what is, if, if, we're, if we're going in and out of the university environment for short, sharp bursts of learning, what does that actually mean in terms of micro-credentialing and a whole bunch of other stuff? I mean, it makes sense, right, because particularly kind of, at least in my world, in the technology kind of digital world, 
things and skill sets are changing so rapidly yep. that it would be almost impossible for a university to continue to kind of innovate fast enough. Think about that whole lifetime customer journey. Where are the inflection points in our life where we start to take on different responsibilities? You know, I'm a technical expert, I'm a management person, I'm a career changer, I'm preparing to be an entrepreneur, I'm preparing to run a portfolio career. So the opportunity for marketers is to think about people's lifetime journeys and to really understand their needs and their aspirations and their fears at each stage of those lifetime journeys. I think the other thing too is we're responding in terms of online and blended learning. So looking at how people learn digitally and I think universities are doing that. Uh, you look at what UTS Open is now doing in terms of free content that's available for you online. Lots and lots of other universities doing that. We're rethinking work. 15 years ago, how many universities had activators, accelerators, innovation hubs, and now universities are all looking at how we do that. And I think um, the Melbourne Accelerator Program is one great example. And Matt. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. And they're great investment there at the University of Melbourne on Swanston Street. But there are others and other universities doing great things in that space. But also, but they're not the only ones. So, and I think that leads to the challenge for universities is, and I just pose it as a question, is are we going fast enough? Because if we're not going fast enough, somebody else will fill those gaps. And what a great kind of way to sum it up. And look, one last thing that I'm going to be asking everyone that kind of comes on the podcast is, you know, what's the one thing that you wish you knew about the kind of customer experience automation journey before you got started? It's all about people and culture. Beautiful. <laughs> Thank you very much, Mr. Matthew Lee. Thanks, Mike. Thanks for coming in, my man. Yeah, we'll talk my pleasure. Cheers. Thanks, everybody, for listening, and um, stay tuned for next time.